This is the Purpose Church podcast where we exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Well, good morning. I just wanted to reiterate the welcome to you if you are here for the first time. Um, Pastor Lynn and I are so glad to have you here. We do believe that you're in a, in a great place and we're just so excited about all that God is doing in the hearts of the people in this church. And so uh, it's just incredible. And I also wanted to take a moment on um, behalf of both of us to say thank you to you guys. Um, it's November 7th. It's our first Sunday in November. But last month, October, was Pastor Appreciation Month. Relax. If you didn't know, it's okay. We don't ever expect anything from, from you in that time. And uh, the Dream Team got your back anyway. So on your behalf, on behalf of the church, you guys, as a, as a church, as a Dream Team, were so sweet to us, so kind. You guys always make us feel loved and honored, but... Um, y'all just blessed us so much. We took all the things home uh, that y'all gave us at our Dream Team huddle a few weeks ago. We just sat on the couch and read through all of it and opened it. We just sat there and, and to be honest, like we just wept. We just cried and the kids were like, what's wrong? And so we just got to tell them like this is what our church is um, giving to us. And we just never fail to be amazed at what God can do through a transformed life as we gather an army of people whose lives have been transformed to go and find more people to transform their lives as well. And so just wanted to say thank you to you guys. We are so honored uh, to be your pastors and we love you so much. And uh, so we just wanted to take a moment and say thank you. So as we start our Legacy Sunday or our Legacy Series, Legacy Sunday is December 5th. And it is a time where we come together as a church and we give above our normal um, tithes and offerings to make an impact in our community. That's all what legacy is. And, And we're talking about generosity today because it is impossible to talk about legacy and impact without talking about generosity. Because the way that we leave a legacy, the way that we leave an impact is through our generosity. So here's what Legacy Sunday is not. Legacy Sunday is not a gimmick to get you to give money. And if you're here for the first time, you can relax. We never ask you to to give anything. We hope that today and every time you are with us, that the presence of God and God's people is a gift to you. But what it is, is an opportunity for us to be generous. It is an opportunity for us to come together in a special end-of-year offering to make a big impact. There are lots of fruits of the Spirit. There are lots of Christian virtues that we could talk about that are amazing for the kingdom, and the kingdom needs them, and the community needs them. The thing about generosity, and we'll get to unpack this in the weeks to come, but generosity is the thing that accelerates vision. So what God has said will come to pass, will come to pass as long as we all continue to be obedient to the thing that he's called us to do. But we have this amazing opportunity to let our generosity accelerate that vision. We can go further, faster, if we are more generous. But generosity, there's this tension in us when it comes to being generous. And if you're here for the first time, you might be elbowing the person you came with and was like, see, this is why I didn't want to go to church, because they talk about money, and they want my money. You can relax. We don't want your money. We want you to cultivate your relationship with God, and you ask God how he would have you participate. Because God wants our heart, and that's what we're unpacking today, is that God really wants our heart. And so if we're going to leave a legacy, if we're going to make an impact on the next generation, because every time the Bible talks about giving or generosity, it's always connected to others. It's always connected generationally. Then we've got to live a life on purpose. And I believe that if we live on purpose, then we have to begin with the end in mind. 
So let's just look at a picture of somebody's end end. Like this is the end. Y'all can go ahead and put that picture up. This is um, from a tombstone that we saw as we were walking around graveyards. Any other weirdos who might walk around graveyards? We were in Charleston, and it's a very, very old city. Some buildings there were built in the 1600s, which is just amazing to me. And there are all these really old graveyards. And some of the things that are fascinating to me as we're walking through a graveyard is how old they are. And like to see how long these tombstones have been there. And I also love to read their epitaphs. So if we're to think about beginning with the end in mind, here is somebody's end. There, this epitaph of Anna, who is now my friend, you know, posthumously my friend. Anna, her epitaph says, she hath done what she could. And that might hit you like it hit. Pastor Landon. We were in this graveyard, and we were with another couple, and we read this, this epitaph, and I loved it. I was like, this is awesome. She hath done what she could. The rest of you suckers need to do what you can do now, because she done did what she could do. And, and, and the guys were like, that's lame. That's the lamest epitaph ever. Like, it's, it's mediocrity. And, and I'm asking the question, what else could she do? What are the other options? She can't do it. That, that's it. And he was like, well, it's about what God can do. And we've been going into this thing, and it's actually still alive and well as a fight in our house. <laughs> I think it's an awesome epitaph. This is actually, I'm going to adopt it for myself. She has done what she could. And I was just going off in this graveyard about how amazing that is because that's all you can do. And it's more than some people are doing. Some people got lots of stuff. They're not doing anything with nothing. Anna did what she could do. And my friend Amrita was like, girl, you got some fire about this. It's like a message. I said, it is. I'm going to call it Graves into Gardens. <laughs> this is actually, beginning with the end in mind was not Stephen Covey's idea. It's actually a, a very ancient Christian idea. Right. Psalm 39, 4 says, show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. Some scriptures say it's but a breath. But a vapor. In the scheme of eternity, our lives, it's but a, but a breath. It's fleeting, as the scripture says. And so it's not insignificant. In fact, it's, it, that's very opposite of it. Your life is very significant. But it's limited. And you don't know the number of days you have. They're all limited when we get here. So welcome to church. We're going to talk about your epitaph today. We're going to talk about your grave. You're going to find it very encouraging. I actually learned that monks, an ancient practice of monks, was to keep a skull on their desk. So as they're transcribing scriptures or praying or thinking, what do monks do? (laughs) When monks were doing monk-like things, they would have a skull on their desk to remind them exactly of this, that this is the end for all of us. You better make today count. And that's what legacy is about. Legacy is not a trick to get your money. The church is alive and well. We have amazing trustees. We work within a budget. We live in margin. We operate within our thing. This is not because we need to coerce you into giving. This is about an opportunity for us to use what is in our hands to do what we can do to make the greatest impact that we can make. It's about developing a Christ-like nature of generosity because legacy and generosity go hand in hand. And so this series in Legacy, we're going to talk about our generosity and what it does in our upward relationship with God, what it does in us inwardly, 
outwardly, how it impacts others, and that's going to be really fun also, and then how it impacts us moving forward, the acceleration of vision, that our generosity accelerates vision. So it's going to be awesome. So to get to all of that stuff, we have to first talk about our upward relationship with God. And so he mentioned we've been in a series called Holy Noticing, and noticing how God is moving in us, through us, and around us, but for what purpose? The purpose is so that we can see how God wants us to impact others because we believe here at the Purpose Church that saved people save people. That if you have been found, you go find. That if you have been forgiven, we live forgiven. This is scriptural. So if you you are blessed, which you are, because you're sitting in an air-conditioned building and you got here somehow, and you are not naked, bless. You're blessed. We're blessed. Then we are to bless others. We're to bless others as well. And so we're looking at how we can do that by being generous. And if it's bothering you to talk about money in church, you can relax. We just talk, we're, our job is just to preach the word. That is all we're going to, we're going to preach the word. And, and so, for example, the Bible talks about faith 246 times. Faith is important. We will definitely preach on faith. The Bible talks about hope 185 times. It talks about love 733 times. And yet the Bible talks about giving 2,000 285 times. Over 2,000 times. The Bible talks about giving. In fact, over half of all of Jesus' parables are about giving, about generosity. Because I think that God knows that the biggest competitor for our heart is not actually the devil. The biggest competitor for our heart, for our affections, for our attention would be that we want stuff. That we would live to accumulate more and more stuff. So today I just want to challenge you to see God as your source. And if you've read the book Love and Respect, it's a marriage book, highly recommend. He talks about um, an energizing cycle, and then he talks about a crazy cycle. You might be familiar with that language. Today I want to talk about a generosity cycle. That when I believe that God is my source, I can live generously. Because he's going to replenish. When God is my source, I can live generously. And then the cycle is that I can live generously because he is my source. Because he is my source, I can live generously. And we can get on this um, trust cycle, really, because I'm trusting God as my source. It's really living from this place, what Romans 11.36 says. It says, for from him and through him and for him are all things. All things. I was actually reminded of, of this scripture the other day when our youngest kid who loves to snack on popcorn... We don't run out of popcorn at our house. There are some things we just don't run out of, like milk, bread, and popcorn. I know if we have those three things, we're going to make it another day. (laughs) And he was at home, and he was eating popcorn. In fact, let me just show you exactly how we buy our popcorn, because we go through so much of it. Where my Costco people at? We go for the big box. 44 bags, y'all. 44 bags. And we just don't run out. When you start to get down to the last few, you know it's time to get the next one. So we have... Our Costco-sized popcorn. This is our actual popcorn bowl. And Bradley came home, and he was making popcorn, and we were eating it together on the couch. And, okay, y'all, we all eat popcorn differently, right? right. Some of you like to, like, throw it in your mouth as it lands in your mouth like a game. Some of you are, like, like the whole thing. Some of you may be like my son, a weirdo, where he can take seven bites out of one kernel of popcorn. I've never actually watched a movie when I sit next to him because I'm just like in shock watching this weird kid go. 
every piece of popcorn. So we're sitting there eating popcorn, and he got up to go get something, so he left me with his bowl, risky move, right? So he leaves me, but he's watching me the whole way, and he goes, don't eat too many at one time, like just eat one at a time. I was like, okay. He's like, I'm watching you, don't eat it all. And I'm like, I know, like you're already thinking what I'm thinking. I'm like, for you know that I am the source of the popcorn in this house that I could actually dig a hole and bury you in popcorn. I, I have endless amounts of popcorn for the sake of this illustration. I'm gonna say mine, it's ours, just so you know. This little dude goes to my pantry that is in my house to get a bag of popcorn out of the box that I bought. Well, there are copious amounts of popcorn here that I have provided for him that I went to the store to get, that I bought with my money, that I put in my minivan to bring home to my house so he could sit on my couch. So he goes to the pantry, gets out a bag of my popcorn, puts it in my microwave. Won't he do it? He did. When it's done, he opens it, puts it in my bowl that he got out of my cabinet to go sit his little tush on my couch in my air-conditioned house. And then he has the audacity to walk off and tell me how much of it I can and can't eat. (laughs) Won't they do it? They will. They will do it. And I thought, if you knew that I could buy enough popcorn to bury you, you would not be so stingy. You would bring this bowl to me and be like, Mom, I made a whole bag of popcorn just for you. You could shove it all in your mouth. You can eat eat 10 pieces at one time if you want. I made this for you. And then he could make another bag of popcorn, and he could give it to a sibling. He could be like, real generous sibling love. I made this whole bag for you. I buy so much popcorn. Our whole family, there are three kiddos. We could each have our own bag. I am the source of all of this popcorn. And if he knew, he would have approached me a little differently. And I felt like if we can realize that God is our source, that from him are all things, through him are all things, and for him are all things. The temptation is that that we're going to start to take credit for stuff. Well, I I have all this money because it's my job. I got my job from my intellect, from my relationships, and I drive my car to my job to make my money, to pay for my stuff. The temptation is that we start to remove God off of the throne and put ourselves there and start to take credit for things that we didn't do. From him are all things. So if you've got a job, it's from him. If you're smart, it's from him. If you're good looking, ridiculously good looking, it's from him. If you are athletic, it's from him. If you've got a great personality, it's from him. Maybe childhood trauma, but also from him. (laughs) it's all from him we can't take credit for things that are from him from him are all things and if I know that things are from him he's richly providing things to me I don't have to I don't have to protect it because I didn't obtain it I didn't get it in the first place I didn't get in the first one. And if I have to, if I obtained it, then do you know what I have to do? I have to maintain it. You're good. You're right. If I obtained it, I also have to maintain it. If it's on me to get it, it's on me to keep it. 
And if it's on me to keep it, then you can't have any. But if the gospel goes forward because of generosity, who are we keeping from being set free because we're trying to maintain something that we're trying to take false credit for obtaining in the first place? So I didn't, I didn't obtain it. I don't have to maintain it. So it, it gives us this kind of stingy attitude. But if we can get on this trust cycle of I can trust him because I can, I, I can trust him, I can give it away. I can live generously. I can live generously because I know he's going to replenish because he is not without lack. From him are all things. When things don't go your way, it's not because God is lacking. When the house falls through that you didn't get, or the job didn't come through that you wanted, or the relationship didn't work out, it's not because there's a limit. From him are all things. And we can trust him and his timing, and we can walk it out in faith. Because there's a heart connection to our money. There's There's an emotional connection to our money. And so when we're talking about generosity and legacy, it's not about money. Please be generous with all things. Be generous with encouragement. Be generous in your faith. Be generous in your hospitality. Be generous when you serve. Serve on the kids' team, please. They need teachers. We got a lot of kids. We need some teachers. Be generous with your time. Be generous in the way that you serve. And honestly, you guys do. Largely, we we are a part of a church. If you are here and this is your family, you are part of a family that walks out this generous lifestyle. There ain't no portable church built on anything other than people's generosity of time, talent, and treasure. And we're eternally grateful. And so I think that we all have, have a, a tendency to lean one way or another. We kind of, we lean towards like it's really easy to be generous. You just want to give away everything. Or you may, might lean to being a little more protective. And usually God finds two people on two opposite ends of the spectrum and then they end up getting married. <laughs> There's usually one in each family. So a few thoughts for us today as we're talking about God is our source. If God is our source, from him are all things. I can live generously because all things are from him. I have three kind of if-then statements. So if God is our source, then we are to be faithful. If God is our source and he has blessed us with things, then we are to be faithful to steward well what he has entrusted to us even if it is your finances, even if it is your time, even if it is your relationships, all things that he's entrusted to us, we are to be faithful to steward it well. So God measures our faithfulness by our fruitfulness to others. Our faithfulness is measured by God by what we multiply. God's math isn't just addition. God's math is multiplication, and he measures our faithfulness by what is multiplied. Genesis 1.28 says, be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 12.2 says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to others. Generosity is always others focused. It's always, it always has generational implications. I've heard sociologists talk about how it takes three generations to really transform a culture somewhere. And I don't know about you, but in three generations from me, I want my kids to know the goodness and the faithfulness of God. I want them to be a part of a, a Holy Spirit-filled, transformational church. Yes. What are we doing to impact that generationally? What is the legacy we're leaving to make sure that's the case for our children, our children's children, and so on? Second Timothy 2 says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust stewardship, and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So even when it comes to teaching the word, he says, I'm teaching you, and I want you to find reliable people who will be entrusted to teach other people. 
to find other people who can be entrusted to teach other people. It's multiplication. It's about stewarding. It's about faithfulness. Matthew 28, 18 is the Great Commission. If you've been in church for a hot minute, you've probably heard it. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. We are commissioned to not just make disciples. We're commissioned to make disciples who will be disciple makers, who will make disciples who make disciples. It's multiplication. That's the way of the kingdom, is that our generosity leaves an impact because there's multiplication. God measures our faithfulness based on where our fruit is. Matthew 5.25 is probably one of the best pictures of this. It's one of the parables of Jesus that is about giving. It is about generosity. And it's not separated from trust. He is worthy of our trust. And so we first have to talk about our upward relationship with God when it comes to being generous. And so as we read this parable together, I want you to pay attention to the language that indicates stewardship, like being entrusted. And I want you to see where there was trust in the master. He's one of the guys in the, in the parable. So, so see where there is trust and see where there is fear. Because whether we trust God or we don't trust God depends on what we do with what he's given us. So Matthew 5.14 says this. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. I don't know if you know this or not, but God has entrusted his wealth to you. He's entrusted wealth through influence, through relationships, through your finances, and your time. That we've all been entrusted with something. And the question is, and I feel like Anna passed the test. We saw it on her tombstone. She did what she could. Are we doing what we could do? To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, and each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, and this is the end goal for all of us. This is the end to which we are all going. If you are a follower of Jesus, do I have any Jesus followers in here this morning? All right, if you're not, we can change your status at the end of the service. But if you are a Jesus follower, the end goal for all of us, if we are to begin with the end in mind, the end is hopefully that when we stand before our God, that we hear these words we see in this parable where it says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And I have been obsessing over these words, well done, good and faithful servant. Not well done, ambitious and busy leader. Faithful. He's looking for people who are faithful. Will you be faithful to steward well what is in your hand right now? Well done, good and faithful servant. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me. Entrusted me. It's so important. With two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want. That's our goal. 
You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. If we had an organ back here, this would be like, they would get kind of low in the music. It's not going to go well because he dug a hole and put it in there. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. When you trust God as your source, you can give it away because you know that he's going to replenish you. What you believe about God determines whether you can trust him or not. And you see this, this one, this guy, he didn't fully trust the master. And he attributes to him characteristics that were not true of him. So where there was lack of faith for him to trust his master, he then comes at him with an accusation. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money in a deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. At least do that. Since you know these things about me that you're saying, you should have at least put it in a bank and I could have gotten something back with it. He says, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance an abundance because we know who the source is. There is an abundance. There is not a lack. Whoever does not have that they, what they have will be taken from them. So what are we doing with what we've been given? Are we multiplying it? Because according to God, he measures our faithfulness, which is our end goal for beginning with the end in mind. If the end is faithfulness, it's measured by our fruitfulness and it's what is multiplied is what is considered faithfulness. So how are we leaving a legacy that's going to impact generations? Generations, Could the same be said of us as was said of Anna, that she did what she could do? So if God is our source, the first point is to be faithful. Be faithful to steward well what he has entrusted to you. No, it's all from him, it's through him, and most importantly, it's for him. So if God is my source, I am to be faithful to steward what he's given me, then also we are to be prepared. So number one is be faithful. Number two is to be prepared. Because eternity is our aim. God measures our legacy. God measures the way we steward. God measures our faithfulness in light of eternity. The real scoreboard, it's in heaven. 1 Corinthians 3.13 says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than what he has already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly coins, wood, hay, or straw. You can see a, a difference in these elements. They're kind of in two different camps. Their work will be shown for what it is because the day, and this is a capital D, because the day will bring it to light. We need to be prepared to be faithful, to steward what God has given us because there will be a day that we have to give an account for the way we have spent our life. And I feel like part of our job as your pastors is to sound that alarm. That day is coming. It's a capital D. So yes, you'll make it to heaven, but there's a second judgment where you will have to stand before God and be accountable and have to answer for how you 
stewarded everything he's entrusted to you? Did you multiply it? Were you faithful? Or did you not trust him, dig a hole, and bury it in the ground? It says it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. I don't have to answer for you. You don't have to answer for me. I have to answer for me. I have to be responsible and and steward what is mine. It's also why I liked Anna's epitaph. She has done what she could do. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet he will be saved even though as one escaping through the flames. Come on in, but you still have a judgment. <laughs> what is temporary will be burned away is what we see here. And what is of value will be what remains. So we don't want you to be caught off guard. We want you to be intentional because you don't get to where you want to go and you don't get to the legacy that you want to leave. You don't get to impact future generations by drifting. You cannot drift into your purpose. You cannot drift into intentionality. You cannot drift into legacy. You have to be prepared. And I do sense some urgency in this because the Bible says over and over that the kingdom of God is at hand now. The kingdom of God is at hand now. So if generosity accelerates vision, the vision that we see, the church that we see, doesn't always meet in a great heart's cafetorium. What is this? They do all the things in here, I think. So the church that we see isn't this only. What is, what is our vision for down the road and how can our generosity accelerate that? So that we can reach more people because the kingdom of God is at hand and there are lost people at hand right now. And there are things that God wants to do in us and through us as a body right now. So our, our eternity is going to be determined by what we do with our todays. So let's make each day count. Let's steward our life. Let's steward our gifts. Let's steward our call in such a way that it impacts the next generation. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to just pass on family recipes, being a Cowboys fan. I married into it. I married into it. I proudly married into it and took on the last name Kiker, which means that our kids will be Cowboys fans. It's obviously very important. So I want to pass that on to my kids. But I want to pass on to them a love for the church. I want to pass on to them a, a God who is faithful, knowing him. I don't want to just pass on these family things. Let's pass on the things that really, really matter to them. So be faithful, be prepared. And the last one is, if God is my source and I can be generous, then I have to be purposeful. That's our third point. So we have to be purposeful purposeful. We can live on purpose. You have to have a plan. You have to be intentional. You've got to begin with the end in mind. And if the end is to be faithful, you've got to have a plan for it. Y'all, we plan all the things that are important to us. We plan lunch and dinner, and then we plan breakfast. And then we plan the next lunch, and we plan the next dinner, and we plan the next breakfast. We plan what is important. We plan our holidays. We plan our vacations. We, we, we plan all the things that are important to us. When it comes to our personal time with Jesus, when we do 21 days of prayer coming up in January, We talk about have a plan. Know where you're going to spend that time. What is your Bible reading plan? How are you going to pray? If you don't have a plan, then you're going to sit there, spend all of your time trying to think about what you're supposed to be doing. But if you have a plan, you get the most out of your time. So we're encouraging you today to be purposeful. Make a plan. And part of the plan is this legacy series. Part of the plan is knowing that there is a time, a date, and and a mission that we are on. 
So part of the mission that we are on is leading towards that, that Sunday, December 5th, Legacy Sunday. How can we each bring our gift together to make an impact that's going to accelerate the vision that God has given us? And so there will be an element of the offering that is a heart for the house is what we call it, that will be for the vision that God has given us here. But we partner with other organizations too to help accelerate their vision and the people that they're reaching in the name of Jesus as well. So your giving, your generosity, when we come and bring this gift together, it's accelerating the vision of God on the earth. And it's an amazing thing to be a part of, but you need a plan. So we've helped bring a plan to you by, by having that date and that time and encouraging you to start praying about it now. And if you are married, start praying about it with your spouse. What would God have me do? That's the prayer. God, how would you have me participate? God, what is in my hand right now? How can I be intentional and purposeful and plan what is in my hand right now? Because God measures our legacy according to our own call. I am held accountable for what God has called me to do. So I need to ask God how he would have me participate. What would God have me give? And it's important that you bring your spouse into conversations with that. It's hard to do anything of significance if you're not in unity with your spouse. So what are you doing with what is in your hand? Are you multiplying it? Are you stewarding it with faithfulness? Are you multiplying it? Are you prepared to give an account for it? And if the answer is no, let's be purposeful. Let's be intentional because you're not going to drift into it. When it comes to Anna's epitaph, it says that she did what she could do. She didn't do what Mary Beth was called to do. She didn't do what was Elizabeth was called to do. She didn't do what anybody else was called to do. She did what she could do. And that's what she's held accountable for, is that it's, it's about our personal call. And I think social media can get us so mixed up in this because we see everybody else. I see other church planners and I, and I see other people's legacy and I see all the things other people are doing and where your eyes go, your brain follows. So we tend to look at everybody else and then we lose sight of what our own calling is. But if you can be purposeful and steward your own calling in your own relationship with God and you pray and ask God, that's what you are held accountable for. In Mark 14 is a story of the woman with the alabaster jar. This is a side note. This is one of my most um, proud moments of all of 2021 right here. Because the friends that we were with in that graveyard moment, we've gone back and forth on texting, mostly the girls in defense of Anna. And then a friend sends this text. Let's read it. It's Mark 14. And it says, while she was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. I was like, that's what I've been saying to you guys in the graveyard. Like, leave her alone. This is, my, this is my moment. Jesus said, why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing for me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. Look at verse 8, and let's wait for the glory to fall. It says, she did what she could. I was right, y'all. 
my interpretation of her epitaph was right. It was actually a really popular thing in the 1800s for women to have this on their tombstone taken from this scripture. She did what she could do. And we could contrast this with the story of the rich young ruler who because we know according to scripture that where our treasure is, there our heart is. So this rich young, young ruler meets Jesus and he says, what can I do to inherit the kingdom? And Jesus told him because Jesus wanted his heart, not his money. Jesus wants his heart. He said, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And it says that the rich young ruler hung his head in sadness, that he walked away sad because he couldn't disconnect his heart from stuff. Because Jesus knew that the number one competitor for us would not be the devil, it would be our stuff. And that, that we would go after the things that stuff tries to promise us that we're supposed to get from God. Our security, our value, our worth. Money can't promise us those things, but God can, and we're supposed to go to God for those things. So he had a lot in his hand, the rich young ruler, and yet he did nothing with none of it. And here's a woman who all she has is an alabaster jar of oil. And she doesn't sprinkle it on the Lord. She doesn't dab it like we might do if we pray for you down here. She broke the jar and she poured it on him. She gave all that she had and Jesus knew that he totally had her heart, which is what he wants from us, is that he wants our heart. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, and here's legacy, generational legacy. It says what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So when my friend texted me my vindicating moment. I went to my Bible. I was like, wow, oh, snap, I was, I was right. It's my love language. <laughs> So I go to my Bible and I look it up and Mark, and I had already written in there the word legacy. This woman left a legacy because she did do all that she could. And the question for us today is, are we? Can we cast away looking at what everybody else is doing? Can we be faithful to steward what God has given us? So on that capital D day that we have to give an account for how we stewarded every single gift that he entrusted to us. Will it last? Will it pass the test of eternity? 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for us and things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Be faithful to steward what is in your hand. Legacy is possible. We can live a life of generosity when we can trust God as our source. So if we're to begin with the end in mind, begin, begin this legacy series with the end in mind. The end in mind being, how are we going to generationally impact others? The end in mind being, how can we accelerate the vision? The end in mind being faithful. For to begin with the end in mind, let's just ask the question now. God, am I, am I trusting that all things are from you? God, am, am, am I trying to take credit for some things when really it's all from you? The Bible says that every gift we ever receive is from heaven. God, am I trying to move you out of the way and take credit for what you've given me? Well, it's through my own intellect. It's through my own relationships. God, all things are from you. If you would go ahead and close your eyes and bow your head, I just want to lead us in a time of prayer where we're just really introspective, just asking God to show us. 
Maybe where we've been tempted to take, take credit for things. Maybe where that pride can rise up and say, look at what you've done. Really, we need to say, look at God. Look at what God has done. Because the second part of that verse that says from him and through him and for him, it says, to God be the glory forever and ever. So it's not that we would accumulate more and more stuff and feel more secure and proud of our stuff, but that we can generously give it away and watch him give us more. The Bible even tells us that we can test God in this, that you can't outgive God. He says, test me in this, that we can't outgive him. So can we live a generous lifestyle because we know that he is our source? And if we know that he is our source, then we can trust him by being generous and just giving things away. Here's what I know about God, is that he is worthy of our trust. Never once has he failed you. Never once has he not been there for you. He can move every mountain for you. He's done it in the past and he's gonna do it again. He is worthy of our trust. From him are all things. For him are all things. He is absolutely worthy of our trust. I just wanna pray over us that we would live a life that is fully surrendered to him. That we'll surrender our stuff, that we'll surrender our, our, our place in the seat that says, I have done this but we'll know that God has done this. We'll surrender our sense of pride that wants to take credit for those things, that we'll surrender um, a, a selfish lifestyle that says, I obtained it, I've got to maintain it. That we'll surrender um, a mindset that says there's not going to be enough. Lord, I just lift up every person in here this morning. God, wherever they find themselves on the spectrum of generosity or or greed. God, I pray that we would all just come into alignment with your heart, with your nature, which is that of radical generosity. That when we live a life of sacrificial, radical generosity, that lives are saved, people are reached, lives can be transformed, relationships healed. Your vision on this earth can be accelerated through our generosity. God, what would you have us do? God, how can we steward what you've given us? God, I pray just a faithfulness over every person here. God, that we will faithfully steward all that you have entrusted to us. Every place where we have influence, every relationship we have, every job that we have, our home. God, would we be hospitable people who can bless others through our home? God, would we just be others focused? God, would we look inward to see what you're doing in us, around us, and through us? God, so we can be a blessing to others. So we can be others focused like you are others focused. I just pray that we will live a completely surrendered life. And Lord, if there's anyone here today who's not surrendered their heart to you, if that's you this morning and you would like to pray that prayer, would you raise your hand so I will know that you are praying with me. We'll never embarrass you or call you down front. We just simply want to partner with you in prayer. Amen. Lord, we surrender to you this morning. God, we surrender our lives to you. God, if, if we have once lived this way and yet we've wandered from it, Lord, we surrender completely to you all that you have entrusted to us. God, you have our hearts, our minds, our time, talent, and treasure. We entrust it to you. We surrender it to you. God, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God uses this message to impact your life, Tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.